0: Welcome to another episode of Crazy Enough to Win. I'm your host, John Grubbs. Welcome to the show. Now, today's podcast is a little bit different. We have a special guest with us today. We have Dr. Mark Edge, the edgy Dr. Mark Edge, on our show today. And I want to say, well, welcome to the show, Dr. Mark Edge.
1: It is great to be here, John. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the the first question is, why on earth would you say yes to being a guest on a podcast called Crazy Enough to Win?
1: Because I wanted to do a podcast with my hero, and you are my hero. I mean, you speak everywhere, all over the place, and uh, just a mover and a shaker. So I just want to try to grab on your coattails and see if you can pull me some places. But uh, beyond that, I just like talking, too. So uh, mm-hmm. anybody wants to converse is fun for me.
0: Well, uh, you know, flattery gets you absolutely nowhere on this show. But Oh,
1: well, then forget that. Uh, Let I me pre- tell you what I really think, John.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I appreciate it nonetheless. <laughs> so tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about your educational background. Uh, what, uh, what, what brought you to this point in your life from, a, from an education standpoint?
1: Oh, my gosh all right i'm gonna put a timer on just so i can try to self-censor uh my education started out in in college toward ministry it was actually combining bible and communication and um, i i went to graduate school immediately thereafter doing the same thing however when i went to graduate school my dad had just died rather suddenly and he had had a business real estate business and he had made me an executor and so i spent a season. Doing that, uh, putting into place where it could take care of itself, and to put myself to graduate school, I went into real estate business in, in Abilene, Texas, and so that, even though it wasn't formal education, was so important to my life. and after I left graduate school, I went and did mission work and church ministry. but that was that real estate was something I could always draw up on. So when I retired from the pulpit, I actually retired to write and found out that uh, evidently no one thought I was as good a writer as I was. So through a series of events, I went into the business world, mainly through uh, retaining, helping people retain their employees. And so that's where I could combine the experience that I had with my own business and in real estate and working with people in churches who were business people, as well as something that I hope, it's a little bit different slant, the the spiritual aspect and the, uh, the emotional aspects of, of people's lives that I came in contact with through my ministry and, and through my educational background. So it's kind of an integration of my life experiences, and I started back in 2013. So that's that's a 78-second version of how I got here.
0: Wow. So are you a, a doctor of theology? Is, is that is that what you are?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Theology and ministry. Uh-huh.
0: Wow, that's you could you could call that the love doctor, couldn't you?
1: I would love to call that the love doctor, <laughs> but I don't know if I can get away with it. But I, I don't know if my wife would let me take uh, that title. But uh, yeah, that would be awesome.
0: Uh, so, so do you do uh, counseling and other type services uh, with that background?
1: Well, if you got anybody that's a lawyer listening, they'll appreciate this. I do not practice licensed counseling and I do not have a license to counsel. So I never tell anybody for liability reasons that I practice counseling. What I say is I practice emotional care or for people from church background, pastoral care and incorporate all that coursework that I did in counseling where they taught you, don't ever say you're a counselor unless you are licensed. (laughs) So uh, that's a lot of people receive it in the same way and they'll even call me a counselor but i technically say i am not
0: okay so um are 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 you also a product of the 80s
1: i wish that would mean i'm a lot younger than i am no i'm a i'm a 60s and 70s child
0: okay okay I couldn't remember exactly uh, which demographic you fit, but when you talked about "License to," I, I immediately thought "License to Ill" and the Beastie Boys from the '80s. So that was. <laughs> a,
1: I do remember them. Okay. Yes, I do.
0: That was a little after your time.
1: No, well, hey, I was—I still listen to that music. Okay. Yeah, you right. know, my kids listen to it, so I still hear it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You know, I was watching a, uh, I think it was a show on YouTube—and it talked about how many uh, rappers give a lot of credit to the beastie boys for starting the rap movement you know
1: oh i know in that hoot
0: yes these uh these these white boys from from new york are credited with starting the rap movement in in the world and, and
1: here's another one that i know you know because we've talked about this some in background before but their producer of course is the one that restarted johnny cash's career rick rubin really yeah 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 <laughs> so in that the ultimate irony he, he saved Johnny Cash's last ten years of career work. He, I think brought out some of his best stuff for him. Hmm.
0: Well, I love Johnny Cash too, so that's a that's an yeah. eclectic mix. I was in Nashville on business recently and got to see the Johnny Cash Museum. Have you ever done that? No,
1: I would love to do that. What was that like?
0: It was awesome. You get these headsets and you do a guided tour, and a lot of his clothes and letters he wrote to June. And I mean, it was just—it's it, definitely worth your time if you get to. Nashville.
1: Oh my gosh, what part of Nashville is that in?
0: It's in the downtown part uh, where it's just, you know, it's where all the restaurants are. It's right there, right there in that area, but very cool. Very cool. It was my first trip to Nashville to get to experience that as well. So pretty awesome.
1: Well, I'm all in next time I'm there, I'm going to definitely go.
0: So here is a question, you know, COVID-19 is on everybody's mind. You know, we are in the process of reopening the economy. People are starting to go back to work. Uh, and you know, you never underestimate, a politician's ability to politicize something that you would think never would be political, but it's kind of gotten to the point where if you're affirmative on reopening and getting back to work, you're labeled one way, and if you're cautious and wanna stay in, you're labeled another way. What, what, what's your take on the virus itself and our response?
1: Well, I've, I've never run for Pope, although I would accept the position if uh, if given the position. Having said that, I do like to practice pontificating. So thank you for giving me a chance to pontificate. I I'm kinda like everybody else, I have mixed feelings. And and Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I'm I'm very concerned about spreading the virus unknowingly. And then Tuesdays, Thursdays and Saturdays, I'm I'm thinking we've got to get moving because this thing could turn really ugly economically if we don't. And then Sundays I just try not to think about it. From. He, uh, uh, I heard yesterday. Oh, Mike Rowe, remember him, Dirty Jobs? Yeah. You know, I heard one of his podcasts, and I thought whoever it was that uh, brought him on, it wasn't his. Actually, it was somebody else. I thought that was that was brilliant.
0: Yeah, we're having him on next week on this podcast.
1: You're kidding me? No,
0: I'm just jo- I'm just joking. Oh my <laughs> gosh! I thought,
1: John, you're my hero, but you just went to the stratosphere. No, just joking, just
0: joking, just joking.
1: However, that made me look good if I was the one the week before, huh? Yeah,
0: yeah we're setting him up. <laughs>
1: That's right, teeing it up for him. But uh, he was talking about you know all the background that he has with people who who work and the dignity of work and and everything else. And then he was addressing some things that you're talking about that 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 phobia that a lot of people are having about just staying locked in forever. And and of course, as we well know, they don't pay you just to stay home after a period of time. I know the government's trying to, bless their hearts, but at some point it's just going to dry up. Um, but the thing I appreciate about Michael Rowe was he brought out some spiritual aspects without being preachy. And one of the things he said that stuck in my mind was the chief goal of living is not merely to stay alive. Mm. And, 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 and that is just so true. Right. Right. And, and, and just, I, I think that we have ingrained within us, and this is something else that he talks about just in fun with his series on all those dirty jobs, but there, there is a need to work. And, and, and if you come from a Judeo-Christian background, that, that, that goes back to the garden and, and that was before the fall of people and, and, and that's always going to be there. Yeah. And, and so part of the concern that I have is it's, uh, it's denying something that's essential to being human. And the, and the more we shut that down, I think the, the the more detrimental that that's going to be for our society. And we do it in other areas and we're comfortable with it. We just haven't developed that level of comfort with with, with the COVID virus yet. But, uh, you know, if we were really serious about trying to preserve life, we wouldn't give males driver's license at 16. Heck, we might have given to them until they're past the midlife crisis. Yeah. Uh, you know, only then are they going to be safe. Uh, uh, alcohol, uh, prohibition. People forget the statistics do show that it was effective in terms of reducing family violence, and drunkenness, and, and things of that nature. But what broke it down was that so many of the people who were politicians and opinion leaders were just tired of going to the speakeasies mm-hmm. and, and, and made to feel guilty for something they felt like was a God-given right. And so after a while, that, that accumulated, accumulated enough political power to where they were able to repeal the amendments. Yeah, uh, and 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 so there's just a number of areas that we recognize uh, this is this is potentially dangerous, but I'm going to accept the risk. I mean, somebody could point at me and say, "Well, Mark, look at your eating eating habits," and, and they'd probably have me on that. Uh, I, I you know I do try to eat in moderation, but I love sugar.
0: Yeah,
1: and and, and so you know we we're, we're comfortable with it in other places. Uh, we're going to have to figure out uh, a moderate spot to become comfortable with it in in this. Does that, I mean, do you agree with that
0: or uh, you disagree? Well, safety is defined as an acceptable level of risk. Safety is not the absence of risk. There's no way to remove the risk, you know, from this virus. I mean, it's until we have a vaccine or or a true, uh, you know, therapeutic, we're going to have to live with this thing. And, you know, it's, it's, it's whatever level of risk I think in each individual is willing to tolerate. You know, um, Do you think we're going to look backwards at this with a different perspective? In other words, do you think we might, well, how do you think we might look back on this a year from now, five years from now?
1: I, I think it's going to be similar to nine eleven. I think there will be a change. I, I definitely do. I, I, I'm not sure the target keeps moving, and I'm not sure what that's going to be. Uh, on the uh, on the negative side, I still think that there's going to be some things that have come that that are just the 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 consequences that will accumulate from all the little things that are happening right now that are going to be difficult. It could be in some places houses for sale and and a glut in the market because people are losing their jobs or having to move and relocate. You know things like that. So I think there's going to be some tangible things uh, on a an intangible basis. I I. Well, let me look at some of the positive things. It, it could be that this has, without intention, obviously, because it's a virus, it's, in, it's impersonal. But the, 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 the impact this could have on our families could be monumentally positive. I mean, we've had a period of, of, of a forced sabbatical, and everybody has. And, and really, look how positive, John, the society has been about this. I mean, when they took away sports... That's when I thought guys would start grabbing torches and, and marching down to the courthouse and say demanding that sports be given back. But everybody's been, been enduring that. <laughs> so that's when I thought we truly are trying to do the best we can to communally share this experience and share the sacrifice. And, and that was kind of the icing on the cake that we're serious about doing this. But, uh, you know, we could be developing some good habits with the family. Uh, on a negative note, that could turn positive, I know there's some families that have been getting together all over the country that uh, honestly, husband and wife is is for the first time since their honeymoon, they've been together so much and they're struggling mm. and they're doing everything they can to try to keep the marriage together. And this is forcing them to have to deal with this. Some will probably not make it, but I think others will find ways to rediscover what it was that caused them to get married in the first place. And so there could be thousands of cases like that that could have a positive impact on the family. Uh, the uh, technology, the the Zoom, uh, that could have a huge impact on education, the way the public schools do their business, the way that uh, the universities do their business. I, I think there's going to be a tangible difference in the way we're, we're treating education coming out of this. I'm not sure how it's going to look, but I, I, I really think it's going to be tangible and it'll be marked. We'll do more online stuff or less classroom stuff or we'll change and we'll realize having cooped up for eight hours a day in a public school classroom was not as critical as before will be more creative in the way we teach and and hopefully the kids will thrive under that uh, umbrella but uh yeah i think there's a lot of good that can come out of this and it'll be more than just the equivalent of everybody's got to take their shoes off before they get on the plane after 911. 11 yeah uh, do you agree with that
0: yeah i, I do think we're going to have deep-seated change that will uh that will impact us you know long term i you know i hate to say that people may not shake hands like we have for for generations you know for yeah. a long time that's uh, just that, yeah. You know, just little things. What What about the other side of the perspective? Do you think, in any recess of that brilliant brain of yours, that there is a chance we might be embarrassed by overreaction?
1: Oh, I definitely think there's a chance. Early on, that was one of my big concerns. But but enough happened in New York and Washington State with the deaths and everything. I thought, okay. On a, on a national level, we had to do some of these guidelines uh, just to calm everybody down and kind of take the the, the, the top off the the, the boil. Uh, but John, you put something today about some of the things are happening in some other states where they're not doing good economically anyway, and and since they're closing more or keeping more and more doors closed on work, I'm concerned about catastrophic economic consequences. Mm. And I've lived in other nations where that's happened, and it is not pretty it is grueling and and people can get through that but you do i do wonder if we'll look back thinking that extreme overreaction has created uh, economic pain that filtered throughout the population and impacted not just pocketbooks but families and and boy we we shouldn't have overjumped that
0: yeah you know i've been following uh sweden not not because I'm a fan of Sweden, but I think it's very interesting when you see a country take a different approach to the same reality from everyone else in the world. And, you know, if you look at the geography of Europe and, you know, you overlay the geography of the United States, we're, you know, pretty similar in size. And and you could say that, you know, Sweden is equivalent to one state in the United States and how they took a very different approach and how, they're seeking uh you know you hate to use the word herd immunity because that's been politicized population immunity as a way of helping their people you know stove off a second wave of the virus because so many of their people have already had it and developed antibodies to it uh what's your what's your take on on them doing something different
1: i love it just because nobody knows the answer i mean and, and you you i know heard enough of the national conversation to to have heard Scientists say, say this back in February, and then in March say something different, and then April say something different because the, the the target keeps moving. And I don't question their motives, and I think they're doing the best they can. But it's kind of nice to have somebody try something different just to give us uh, a, a little, um, basically something to compare stats, and 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 let's just try everything and and and. I, I like you to find it interesting considering the politics of the country mm. that of all countries, they're the one that actually took the more, uh, I hate to say libertarian approach. That's not the right word. That's, that's too politically charged, but uh, uh, the more freedom oriented, personal liberty, personal freedom approach uh, compared to the rest of the nations. And it does seem to be effective for them. So maybe as we open up more and more, that will give us uh, uh, hope to continue, and that it's going to be okay. I noticed that Texas yesterday with the governor, is doing more and more things like the daycare centers and i and I know you saw this. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to somebody last night on a zoom call that uh, is in a state that's normally pretty conservative, but they're much more restrictive. They still are not they're still at that ten person level you know where you you, you have to really keep the group small. And, and it is interesting that each state is choosing different techniques and strategies. Uh, and that's a Western state that's actually got good weather. So I was very surprised to hear where to what extent they're still locking down. Yeah. Uh, but maybe some States like Texas will, will, will have good experiences and encourage everybody else. Uh, but we can't stay inside forever. Man wasn't designed that way.
0: Yeah. And you know, I have always said, I, I think I started uh, sharing and, and following Sweden's uh, approach in March as a way of opening up the economy. You know, I I, I don't second guess what our leaders did in, in shutting down because we, you're right, we didn't know what we know now then. And, you know, things have changed, you know, sometimes by the week with this virus. Uh, but at the same time, I see sweden as the canary in the coal mine for reopening our economy and if we do have a hot spot we react in that area and and not punish someone who is in rural kansas because of what someone did on the beach in alabama does that make sense
1: john i'm totally in agreement the i recognize the reality that in the fall and the winter there could be some spots that break out with outbreaks that could be just catastrophic but if we have, like you say, the freedom in place for different areas to, to be effective in ec- economically, uh, even if we have to have some kind of national uh, emergency mentality for the, the location that's having the outbreak, send them respirators and understand they're gonna have to shut down and get everybody in to save lives and all that, then we'll have the financial wherewithal to, to withstand that. Uh, yeah. And that seems like the only way we're gonna be able to make this thing work.
0: Yeah so let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit we I never thought I would say this on a podcast in 2020 by the way. We are at nearly fifteen percent unemployment in this country. How do you think that's going to impact americans
1: Well kinda like we were talking about a while ago i There's nothing harder than you talk to somebody that's that's lost a job that he or she loved and 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 then doesn't just turn automatically turn around and get another one you know a lot of people have ingrained this idea god closes one door but open another one and and i know you've talked to some of these people that the door closed and there wasn't another one open and it's a it's a devastating experience and it can impact self-esteem it can impact faith in in god or faith in in oneself and 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 so on a individual level those are some of things that happen but then obviously as the percentages get higher and higher then then that has a national impact. I think during the Great Depression, uh, the unemployment level never exceeded more than 25%. Uh, you probably know that. Is that correct? Is, that sounds that might...
0: right. Yeah, that that's what I've read and heard too, 25%.
1: But isn't it interesting, you go back and you look at some of the accounts of what was going on at the time, and there was real fear that there was going to be total anarchy.
0: Yeah.
1: And that was just with 75% of the population employed and only 25% not employed. And so we're starting to reach the levels of unemployment where the impact of their unemployment and the negative experiences create more of the national conversation and drive than the right now, 85% uh, who are employed and and then later that number may drop. And so it's going to skew toward the unemployed side, the more it increases. And, and that's why I do think it's important. And I appreciate some things you've been posting that, that we've got to take that into account as we make some of these decisions. And, yes. and again, I've lived in some of the places where a lot of people are unemployed. The economy was in horrible shape and, and that's not a fun place to live.
0: So speaking of those type places, what what do you think of these governors imposing these draconian lockdowns on their own people? You know, do they, one, do they have the legal authority to do that and Two, is it morally the right thing to do?
1: Well, I've already deluded myself into thinking that I could comment on things I probably had no business commenting on. But I'll pass on the legal thing because I just I, I don't have enough of an understanding of the legal process to know. But you, you got to think there's somebody around them who's saying, "Hey, this is a great idea. You're doing a great job," and and, and really convincing them that this is the the best thing for the people or for their legacy or or, or whatever uh i gotta tell you put my cards down for what we talked about earlier i'm i'm very very concerned about that and i it's it, it kind of reminds me of people that that eat and drink too much and and put themselves in a bad position for candidates for heart attack or stroke or whatever and then once that happens they won't the government to bail them out and and take care of their health and and I, I see some of these places that aren't paying the price now to get into economic uh recovery uh later because of these decisions they're going to need i think probably some help and a lot of it's going to have to do with not the covid virus but just some of the decisions they made to, to restrict people from doing things they were designed to do and that is work and contribute to a society yeah. And um, uh, that that those are probably going to be some hard conversations. Uh, you don't you don't remember this. You're not able to remember this. But New York City went broke when I was a teenager, and I will never forget that.
0: Was that was, in the 50s?
1: <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> no, this is 1970. I think it's 75, 75 or 76. I think uh, it's 75. President Ford was president, uh, and so there's that. this big push for him to, to to bail him out, and he said no. Uh, you know, but he's very kind about it. But one of the big newspapers, I don't think it's New York Times, but one of the big newspapers said, Ford to, to, to City, dropped dead. Mm. And and so, you know, th- these conversations that are tribal didn't just start occurring back in March. They've been going on for a long time, on and off. And so, if I don't see a way we're going to avoid some of that happening 10 months from now, much less today. Obviously, it's happening today. Uh, So it's it's not going to get any better in terms of uh, furor and anger and, and and deep emotional feelings.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's ironic to me, you know, the, uh, the economy, it seems like it might work some of this out because uh, you know, these States are losing revenues by being locked down too. And I think that they're going to run out of runway. Uh, People are going to run out of money. uh, You know, so, You know, if you're optimistic, you can say, well, you know, the, the, the natural market will work itself out. People will slowly overcome fear. I I got my pandemic haircut last week and, uh, I went to the, uh, the place where I normally go and it was the third day they've been reopened. And I just fortunately got the manager. Uh, she was cutting my hair. I said, well, tell me about business. She said on day one, we did 200 cuts. Day two, we did 200 cuts. Day three, we did about 180 cuts and i said what's a good normal day before the pandemic what was a good normal day she said 100 cuts a day was a was a normal day 150 was a good saturday i said wow wow so there is so much pent up demand and and i listened to the conversations while people were talking and waiting to get their hair cut and you know i kept hearing this sentiment that pandemic covid-19 i'm over it i'm just over it do you think there's a fatigue towards the position of being safe and responsible for the virus
1: yeah and I, and I think you 've had your finger to the pulse of that uh, all along but, but let me do a little side note here if i can't if I can get it personal. Could you go back to the mustache of ten years ago? <laughs> I, I whenever i see that look on one of the old photos i just like wow that would be uh that bring back that territory that'd be powerful but anyway i digress you know which photograph i'm talking about don't you yeah i did yeah. Have a beard
0: the entire month of april i had a beard and did this you photo.
1: well i'm growing one right now myself yeah. uh my wife's the one that suggested it so i don't know if it's for better or worse but you know it maybe for me it's better because i don't have anything on top like you do you got mm-hmm. that 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 nice mane up there, but uh, anyway, okay. Back to uh, back to your 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 question. I I've really noticed and, and appreciated the finger you've had to the pulse and 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 framing it a little bit different way. Some of the things that I think that you're saying and have been saying they're accurate and I agree with. Uh, going back to that prohibition example, and no, I was not alive during prohibition, just to clarify <laughs> that. But the uh, a lot of enough people just finally said this this is just this doesn't make any sense we're gonna go ahead and do this anyway that congress just shrugged their shoulders okay let's let's repeal this people are doing anyway it's not governable to continue with this law and 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 i think in some of these states it may be people just saying i've got to work kind of like the the lady in dallas or it could be some of these states that are out west with nice weather families are going to the beach and and how does it look to arrest a five year old for not wearing a mask inside the waves uh or whatever their test case is and and so yeah i think i think kind of like we started out earlier the 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 chief goal of of living is not just merely to stay alive uh, more and more folks uh, are going to develop that uh, mentality and they're going to start living it out and 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 some of these governors and politicians there and i I'm going to give them good motives are really trying to do the best they can, they're probably going to say, okay, it's, uh, let's get in front of this parade now. And, and, and they'll jump in front and, and really start probably unlocking things a lot faster than the, the ones who you just gradually phase it in, like the, the governor Abbott and some of the other governors.
0: Yeah. Well, I think we saw that in New Jersey with the, uh, the gym owner, you know, they, you know, they, they were trying to, uh, trying to stop him and it ended up, I think just giving up and letting him, his thing um let's let's shift gears a little bit uh you know you're a man of faith what what is worship service going to be like for us in the near term and then long term what do you see
1: that is an excellent question i referenced of all people the older people before uh at this uh, actually i think this is before we even started the podcast you and i were visiting together uh, beforehand and I was in conversation with uh, uh, leaders of a church last night. They they had called me. And one of the things they're dealing with is this reality. They have a number of old people at that church. They've been sending these older people. and I'm, I, I say older people, 55 and older. Um, they've been sending these people the virtual uh, service, but it's not... A preacher it's a video of, of somebody else who did this years ago that's made it national and and, and available they have some of the local members individually film by their iphone a a song or a prayer or scripture reading and they package together and they send it out each week and these old people are loving it so much they've already told the leadership we're not coming back until a vaccine's found hmm. And this is a warm weather state. There's not much winter there. But this is how fast, of all people, this age group, this demographic has adapted to their version of virtual worship. Now, I know of another church in East Texas, and they've already started conversations, John. They started a month ago. Mm. We need to start a virtual church ministry. And what I'm hearing them describe is, to explore, and they're still exploring it, it's a hybrid of Back in the day, I don't know if any of your listeners will have heard of this or lived through it, but 40, 50 years ago, churches would film their services, but also broadcast them live. And so the preacher would literally have to get down at 11 o'clock, let's say, and, and so, because they knew that's when the, 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 the TV cameras went off. It was a live service. And there are elements of that right now as these churches are doing virtual church where the preacher will preach and and like in our church, it's a live event. There's hardly anybody at the building, but you'll have some people singing, you'll have the preacher preach to the camera and, and and all this, but it's much cheaper than it was 40 years ago. The equipment's much cheaper, but kind of the the background, the tech the 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 technical stuff is the same. But he follows it up with a Facebook prayer session for whoever, whoever wants to get on Facebook. He talks. He's speaking to the people. The people type in their prayer request, but he makes it very communal. He 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 says, "Oh well, here are, uh, let's say that uh, my family joins in. Hey, here are the edges. Uh, it's good to have y'all in here." So he'll call her about a name and he'll say, "Oh, Judy's got a prayer request, and here it is." And, and then he'll pray. Okay, that has been received very very well. It's something we had not done before. It's it's not the same as being present in the flesh, but it's very very effective. And so what he and others in our church are are thinking about how many people are out in our community who are not ready to walk into a church even after covid-19 but they want to start pursuing things spiritually. Could this be a good halfway point, a meeting point to do something virtual with them? Maybe even a simultaneous service that's not what's going on in the building. Hmm. So, you know, they say crisis unleashes creativity. Uh, you said that before. Uh, I think these are some of the things that are happening in churches. A, a, a pushing of the internet ministries, and I'm being all-inclusive here, a pushing it past the point that it has been and, and and making it both more creative and more mainstream. This, yeah. the, did i encapsulate that well enough to where that makes any kind of sense
0: it does it does but to you know to, to go a little bit deeper you know i'm such a, a complex contradiction i'm a little bit of a germaphobe but i love the, i love the human touch you know I, I love you know shaking hands you know giving a hug i mean are we going to lose connectivity with each other uh, not just spiritually but uh physically as as uh as bodies if 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 we're not able to to have that, that touch with each other?
1: I think so. I'm a, I'm a toucher. I grew up where you didn't hug. Men didn't hug. And, and, you know, you didn't want to hug from the old ladies at church. And then about my teenage years is when we started making that transition. And, I, and I've loved it ever since. I, 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 as a matter of fact, it's flipped the other way. I'm concerned about hugging women now because of all the, the Me Too stuff. I don't want to give the wrong impression. But you're still giving permission to do that with with men up until COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And and I just I really appreciate that that connection that that willingness to be emotional in our relationship, and and friendship, and that and that safety. So I I think you put your finger on something. For those of us who are from the the, the Christian faith, the whole thing about Jesus coming to the world, God becoming flesh, was God becoming flesh, and uh, John. 316 is is not God so loved the world that he became a pixel. Yeah. It's uh, The whole thing is built upon God becoming skin, or living in skin. And, and and what you're talking about are aspects of what it means to be a human being, and they're very, very important. So I suspect we're either going to compromise some of these guidelines from COVID-19 ultimately, or we'll you get a fire retardant suit and wear to, to have that, but we come out of a group of people who for decades were very distant and that was not very nourishing. And, and so I can't see us going back to that fully. Hmm. It, it just didn't it just didn't cultivate our spirit and our emotional facets and, and it, it just wasn't fun way to live. We, we we need touch. So yeah, I think your point's good. We're gonna have to figure our way around that.
0: So I know you're a sports guy, too, and, uh, you know, I think my, you know, my, my demonstration, my passion for people came through, you know, growing up playing, you know, any sport that would, would allow me to play it. Um, we, we saw golf this past weekend. We saw NASCAR. Can you believe that one of the next major sports to make a debut may be mixed martial arts? Now, it doesn't get any more intimate than that. What do you think of that? Well, didn't they do that in Florida a couple of weeks ago? They, they may have, and I may have missed it. I, I, I want to say that did
1: some kind of UFC fighting in, in, in Florida. It's like, I know somebody tested, if they did it, somebody tested positive, and so they were taken out. But, uh, yeah, that is kind of crazy. You, you've, you've made a good point. Now, I did hear Dr. Fauci enough. Of course, he's everywhere. He's even in my dreams now. I did hear him say, talk about football, sweat is not a way to pass along the virus. And so maybe that's part of the reason why they can get away with doing this uh, mixed martial arts and everything. But uh, I know how hilarious that Mm -hmm. that leading the way is something that's so, well, to me, it's off the grid. I I know there's probably a lot of younger folks that love uh, uh, that, that sport, but uh, Hey, whatever helps us heal as a society. I'm all for Yeah,
0: Yeah. I'm not
1: going to watch it though. Are you going to watch it?
0: Uh, The mixed martial arts. Yeah uh you know i might i'm I'm so hungry for sports i think i would watch ants racing you know if it's if it's on i had i had i had the race on i had the 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 uh the golf tournament on i had every tv had some sport on it so as i moved around my house i could watch everything but um, but yeah did you see what joe buck did about a month or two ago uh uh-uh. what it was to raise money which
1: has been another creative thing look how much these people that are still getting paid have done to help other folks but uh, to raise money for those who are first responders or whatever he said send me your stuff from everyday life during this virus and i will do a play-by-play on it and (laughs) and fox will edit it and 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 post the good the the good ones uh and and i mean he they've posted uh, dozens and maybe hundreds and some of them i've seen on youtube is hilarious and and he's got a tremendous response and and he's just asking people make a donation to Maybe it's just the chair of their choice, yeah. but, uh, yeah, yeah. I'd encourage everybody to get on there. Uh, you know, watching a family do uh, their version of the, the, the broom in the winter Olympics. What's that thing where you sweep the ice? Uh, uh
0: Oh, I know what you're talking about. Uh, it's the Canadian. Uh,
1: yeah. 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 Well that, but they do it in the house with a broom and a ball and, and they really get into it and Joe Buck's doing his best to announce that it's, it's hilarious. So yeah, that shows the pent up demand we have for, for sports and the hunger for it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Curling is what you were thinking of. That's Curling.
1: it. That's it. Yes. Thank you.
0: All right. So, you know, to, to, uh, to take that, you know, a, a little bit further, you, you know, you mentioned some of these uh, personalities that are getting paid. Uh, do you think there's a little bit of uh, sanctimony or, or irony in the fact that uh, if, if you're still getting a paycheck and and you're judgmental about someone who is not and needs to get, and back to work?
1: Oh, I tell you what, that was one of the things that one of these podcasts I saw Mike Rowe on, he, he was talking about. And, and yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And, and that may fuel even more of the, the, the unleashing to let people get back to work because you've you, you got people who, oh God, they may not get paid very much. And it may not be in the same category as, as a person who's a uh, national media uh, spokesman, leader, and 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 whatnot, but uh, it's important that person who works at that job, and and they're proud of that job, and 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 they want to get back to it, and they want to do the best they can, and and they can't, and so they they do. Micro was saying, feel resentment that so some of these people who come on national TV and they've got job security are pontificating and and continuing the removal of this other guy's chance to work. Mm. And, 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 so it, it, it is feeling a resentment. Uh, and, and yeah, it's, uh, and there's, he calls it micro referred to the law of unintended consequences. And he sees a lot of that in the future. And he's got me thinking about that. Uh, I think he's got some good points. Um, you know, educationally he was yeah. talking about some of the things that, uh, uh you know could happen to some of these major universities they're charging tuition even though the kids had to go home um char- they're not returning the room and board and and there's so much good educational material is available now for free or for very little that can actually help people become skilled enough to live a life of work that they they may start siphoning off through the youtube channel and things like this uh some of the educational uh, decisions that people make rather than going to this university they're just going to go here and get equipped to do this and that's probably some of that resentment will fuel that he said
0: well and you know i'm friends with the university president and and small private universities have been very anemic for years now and this this new generation generation z is not going directly to four-year universities as generations before them so there was already a little bit of Uh, you know, a creep into the normalcy for, for these universities. And now, you know, you've got small private universities that are, you know, charging between 30 and $50,000 a year for students already. And then you put on top of that, that they have to do it through distance learning. Um, I think it's going to be a, a bigger challenge for that sector, of the economy than most people realize. Do you agree? That's a
1: great point. And you just made me think about something. I, I'm a product of a, of a private education. I went to a Christian university, and, and the big reason I went was because of the Christian atmosphere living on campus and, and, and the atmosphere that they said, this is what we want to give to students. And parents, this is what we want for your kids. And so I bought into that. Well, if that's not being offered. Hmm. Uh, now I, I, I will say I got a great education and thrilled from it, and there's great professors and, and all that stuff. But uh, how much of that's going to filter into, like you're talking about the distance learning? That's yeah. a great point.
0: Well, and I, you know I'll tell you, my uh, my 17, you say he'll be 17 tomorrow. My 16 year old uh, is not getting the same education from a high school point of view online. I mean, he's going through the motions, but he's not uh, he's not embedded with it. It's just a it, it is a much less value for him than having a caring, compassionate teacher that can talk him through situations or problems. Um, So, you know, I think these university presidents have got a huge challenge ahead of them that already existed, but now it's becoming exacerbated by COVID-19. I've already heard that, you know, some of the local universities are opening early, that they're going to go through, uh, I think, uh, Thanksgiving break and then not allow fall break so that the students don't go home and then come back and reinfect each other
1: well that's 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 an interesting thing i did not i had not heard some of the decisions they had made so uh, and to your point i can remember i always did better when i was part of a study group collaborating (laughs) with people i was not an introvert i think distance learning is great for introvert great for good writers good researchers but bad for people like me who, who are motivated by people. Uh, you mentioned the, the teachers, You know, being able to go to the teacher and saying, can you explain this to me? And, and, and I had a lot of professors in college that took a real personal interest that just blessed me so much. So if that's not there, I don't even know if, John, today, if, if I had to do long-distance learning, I don't know if I would continue in education, if I would have continued. I, I, I don't know if that would have been effective for me.
0: Well, it's another podcast and we can come back and talk about it, but I, you know, I'm a huge fan of Mike Rose thinking about uh, the the redefining of what educated means. It used to mean a four-year degree, uh, but I think, you know, some of these technical uh, skills, some of these jobs that it require people to, you know, to use their hands are are going to be included in that word educated when in the past they may have been excluded, whether that was intentional or not.
1: I totally buy in. And and I'm a person that somebody would say probably, Oh, well, you know, you, you're, you you got higher education, but like Mike Rose said, uh, I heard him talk about, well, does that imply everything else is lower education? Yeah. You know, helping society, especially in a free world is pretty arbitrary. You, you can't just say I've got this degree and everybody just bow down. I, I know there's some schools that like for folks to think that, but, uh, you know for everyone that that comes out of there thinking the world owes them something because of a, the pull on the wall then you got somebody like that pillow guy you know uh, yeah. uh that uh, has been so inspirational and, and his story is so great you know but he had a service and a product that just really helped people and that that puts a dent in the universe and it's a good one hmm. and and so we yeah we need to embrace that they're they're there are a lot of ways to bless the world and you don't have to have a certification certification on the wall that says that it came from this school and this degree to do so. Absolutely. So if this is heading us in that direction. I'm all for it.
0: So listeners, you may not know this, but uh, Dr. Mark Edge is a rap specialist. He (laughs) is a rap specialist. Can you tell us a little bit about your rapping?
1: I appreciate that. Yes, I, I I do consider myself to be an expert at R.A.P., but not the Beastie Boys version. It's retention, attraction, and production. The the my company is all about trying to help folks retain good people, uh, attract good people, and 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 produce good things, good products, good services. That's what we really are. are that's what gives us meaning.
0: So could you go over those again? Yeah, uh, the
1: RAP stands for Retention, Attraction, Production.
0: Awesome. And, and it's you, all rooted in people. And do you have a website?
1: Yeah, workedgetexas.com. You spell out Texas, T E X A S.
0: Workedgetexas.com. Dot com. Edgetexas.com. Because we've got listeners around the world that may want to visit your website. Uh, go to workedgetexas.com. Now, um, believe it or not, we have a decent following in Sweden because I podcast about Sweden so much. We've got a really good following in Asia. Uh, Europe has has a good following. Uh, South America, a little bit. uh, Can you tell our listeners a little bit about where you live and what it's like where you live?
1: I live in Northeast Texas, a city of Tyler. It's a good community. It's beautiful. I like to say that in the spring, we have azaleas like the... Masters Golf Tournament in in Georgia. And in the fall, we have the, the beautiful trees with the change changing leaves like the state of Vermont does. And so it's a, a physically beautiful location. Uh, good people. It's a growing city, a growing area. Uh, back when I was in real estate business, it was, uh, the 80s was, a Tyler was specializing in oil. And so it was a bad time in the economy for oil and bad for real estate and bad for a lot of other things. And I think time to learn from that has really diversified in the years since then. This is a great place to, to live if uh, you need medical services or if you want to study medicine, uh, UT is, is establishing a medical school here. And someone else told me, and I haven't verified this. This is actually the number one uh, location now for retirees in the state of Texas. Uh, Tyler in Hmm. this area Uh, the technology industry is growing here and so it's it's doing a lot better job of diversifying and a lot of traditional values uh, we, we like living here
0: well you know I'm a foodie so you know what you know tell the listeners around the world what what type of food do we do we have in in East Texas that that you would definitely have someone try if they were ever to visit
1: I would I would try the Mexican food. There's great Mexican food, great barbecue. We're not near the Gulf, but there's some really nice seafood restaurants. Uh, we we got tons of the the restaurant chains. As a matter of fact, uh, DQ is one of our clients, and so a lot of people love the DQ blizzards. Uh, Chick Fil A is another one of our clients, and uh, it's it's always got people. The, the the franchises always have people there. It's just so popular uh, the, the, what they, uh, what they offer in terms of chicken sandwiches and things like that. Hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's got a nice variety and, and, you know, we're kind of getting starting to get because I guess it's a university town, starting to getting some of these niches for types of food that are from other countries and, uh, folks are making a go of it. There's an Indian restaurant on the main strip and, uh, and I think they've done quite well for years and, uh, uh Thai food and things like that. So some of these little niches are starting to grow as well.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Dr. Mark Edge, the edgy, edgy Mark Edge, thank you so much for being on our show. We, uh, I, I think you've, you've really shared some insights with us that I think people will find interesting. I think they'll find them valuable and, uh, we would love to have you back at some time in the future. Uh, any closing remarks for the audience that, uh, that, that may have been missed that you wanted to add?
1: Well, if I could put in a plug, if anybody will go to my LinkedIn page, there is an archive there where a lot of these things I've been trying to address for quite a while now. Some of it is just distilled three-point summaries of research that uh, I have done. And uh, others are articles trying to address things like the marriage problem that I referenced earlier in the podcast. And so I, I hope that that's helpful to people and and if that's uh it, it's obviously free so i would love for them to take a look at that uh i and it, i appreciate your stuff john I, I look at it all the time and so i know that by definition if they're listening to this podcast they're looking at, at what you're you're having but uh you know i really appreciate your balance and, and and trying to be empathetic with what some people are going through with the fear and anxiety of this virus but at the same time your, your vision for we've uh we've got a future to live out and how can we most effectively and as good stewards get there. And so uh, I've really enjoyed reading your stuff and, and looking at your uh, uh, YouTube postings and, and your podcast and everything. So boy, keep up the good work.
0: Well, thank you for that. So, you know, this podcast is about going big. This podcast is for crazy people and, you know, to have Dr. Mark edge on a podcast for crazy people, I think is a great, thought to end this podcast the enemy of this show is mediocrity the enemy of this show is a well a prescription for common thinking we are uncommon and remember we are crazy enough to win until next time